Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Buck Sanders and Don Callahan talking UNC football recruiting. So really quickly to provide a roadmap for this week's podcast, we're going to be discussing Carolina's latest commitment, Dre Bly as a recruiter, provide another over and under, and then finally release this week's top five list for the listeners. But before we get to everything, guys, I hope that you've had a good weekend so far. The weather has not been that great over here in the triangle, but it is what it is. Um, skies were definitely Carolina blue last week, though. Forget the overused metaphor there, but I think it still applies because Carolina got another four-star commitment from Josh Downs. He was a legacy player from NC State. His dad actually played there. Don, I'm going to let you do the full introduction for Josh Downs. And also, go ahead and tell us what type of wide receiver he is. Well, down to the four-star guy, as you mentioned, wide receiver out of uh, North Gwinnett High School in Georgia, which for those who follow recruiting know that Gwinnett County, I mean, that whole general greater Atlanta area is just absolutely stacked with talent. It's probably one of the most, if not the most uh, stacked area in the entire country, but Gwinnett County in particular is just loaded. So to get a four-star kid out of that county is is huge, but he's a a slot receiver, you have 5'10", 165, and I mean, he's kind of your traditional slot receiver where you have him run a short route or maybe some sort of screen, give him the ball and just kind of watch him go. I mean, he's very, very elusive. He's very dangerous in open space. He's a type that if you give him even a little bit of space, he's a threat to score. And obviously that's huge for an offense like an air raid offense that North Carolina is going to be running. But I want—I wanted to get uh, Buck's thoughts on um, on what he thought when he saw the uh, the commitment because it I don't want to say it came out of nowhere because we ran a story on him the day before and and he mentioned in that that he was down to North Carolina and NC State but considering his uh his ties to NC State it 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 was somewhat shocking Buck when you saw that what would you think Well uh, I wasn't shocked um you know and and we're going to talk about uh, was primary recruiter probably in another segment or in with this one we could, but uh, Dre Bly has been a something of a force on the recruiting trail, and um, you know the fact that uh, number one he's the uncle of Josh Downs uh, had something to do with his recruitment. Um, you know he's paying dividends now. I don't think he can be related to every. Uh, candidate that North Carolina is looking at, um, and it certainly helped in this case. But uh, Dre has been a very active recruiter. He seems like it comes naturally to him, which most of us sort of suspected it might. Uh, his appeal, uh, he's North Carolina's only two-time consensus All-American and a pro bowler and uh, you know, has has huge name recognition not only as a UNC football player, but in the critical Tidewater area. So I think the fact that you know, the involvement of Dre Bly and Josh Downs' recruitment, uh, pulling them away from a you know legacy situation at NC State. And, you know, I think people are drawn to, to Dre Bly and you know, I will pay dividends in the future, not just with Josh Downs. So th- th- those were my initial thoughts when I first heard that 
that Downs had committed. Let's go ahead and talk about Dre Blythman because, you know, before he joined the staff, his was a name that we had heard talked about on the message board when the NCAA said uh, where they added a assistant coach number to the number of, of staffs that colleges and universities could have. So, you know, Don, what have you seen so far about Dre Bly and his recruiting acumen? Well, he definitely has the ties, just as Buck mentioned. Uh, you know, he's he's a legend in the 757, which is the Tidewater area of uh, Virginia. So, I mean, those guys um, really look up to him. When you're – you just read the stories we, we ran on um, – uh, Keontae uh, Jenkins, a four-star DB, and uh, Nikai Meredith, another four-star DB from that area, um, the Tidewater area. They both visit North Carolina. I guess it was probably like a month ago now, um, but they spoke very glowingly of uh, Dre Bly. Uh, the other thing is he has strong ties to the Charlotte area, particularly Myers Park High School, where he coached, and uh, you know he's he's well known in the Charlotte area. And I think it just happens to be by chance that uh, this class happened to have a four-star guy like Josh Downs, who he's, re- who Dre's related to. And, you know, these things happen every year. You have some sort of family connection and, and uh, you know, usually it works out in this situation. It was, it was interesting because Downs's father played at NC state. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously Dre is his uncle, and, and, and that was something that was important to him, too. So um, it, I think it's going to be interesting to see, the I guess, as the years go by, how much of an impact he's going to have. Um, I think he'll always have an impact in the Tidewater area because he's such a, a legend there. Uh, but in Charlotte, you know, eventually his ties are going to, um, to are going to, um, you know, I guess, I guess, swell up. Um, and uh and, and which might not be such a big deal because it's really not his recruiting area um but is he going to be able to sustain his success in you know areas like his his in-state area for North Carolina is that northeast North Carolina area which you know every few years has a few guys like last year it had a couple of guys and North Carolina couldn't land any of them so um I'm I'm curious to see what he'll do in future years in state but I do think that he'll have that success always in the in the 757. Well, one of the things that I think has been so successful about Dre's pitch to to recruits is that he is one of those guys that played under Mac. He knows Mac, he trusts Mac. Buck, that was something that I think you talked about in one of your columns is that we have all of these former Carolina players that have these ties to Mac Brown. You saw that in the um, video that was put out by the UNC football where they did the full introduction. How big of a deal do you think it is, Buck, that there are guys on staff that can personally relate to Mac Brown? Well, it's important in the sense that every single one of them, there are some exceptions, of course, but a, a large number of them have a personal story to tell about Mac Brown. They have a history with him, and they can go into when I was Tim Cross's case, when I was the strength and conditioning coach at Texas, or you know Tim Brewster and his story about 
I drove down to North Carolina looking for a job and volunteered for a year under Mac and story after story after story um, that is a story of a personal relationship to Mac Brown on the part of a large number of these assistant non, uh, coaches, Tommy Thigpen, Dre Bly, on down the list. Uh, there are very few uh, Galloway, Gillespie, one or two more that don't have Longo and Bateman that don't have that personal connection. But when they get in a room together and they start telling those stories or when they're around a bunch of recruits and they're able to relate to things that they admire about Mac Brown, the way they look up to him, the part they played in, not just in their careers, but in their lives and fostering that, family connection, that sense of, yes, you're coming here to go to school and to play football, but when you leave North Carolina, it's not going to be over. You're always going to have this family connection that you're experiencing today, I think is very attractive to recruits. So, you know, I think it's huge that so many of these assistants that are out on the recruiting trail, when they talk to recruits, um, and they can talk about Mac Brown. And then when that recruit gets to meet Mac Brown, that just further seems to consolidate their opinion about uh, North Carolina. So uh, it's a really good situation for North Carolina to be in a very strategic move on the part of Mac to bring these guys in, even though Dre had no experience coaching at the college level, had not ever been a college football recruiter in the past. I think, what compensated for that lack of experience was his personal connection to Mac Brown and no question, as Don said, to his personal connection to uh, the seven, five, seven. Yeah. Piggyback off of what just, what Buck just said, I had an opportunity to speak really, really briefly with uh, Dre after signing day and the, you know, obviously for a guy like in his position, where he hasn't coached in the college level. And I don't believe he's done any sort of um, graduate assistant stuff at all. Um, the, the biggest change is, is recruiting, which I think a lot of guys end up finding that it's, it's um, much more difficult than what you might think. Um, so I was curious to find out how that first couple of months went. And he said it was easy for him because all he had to do with each recruit is express his story which is kind of what buck hit on and you know he just he says that every recruit he just tells him about just the situation he was in coming out of high school which is very similar to some of, some of these other 757 guys which again goes back to why i feel like that connection will will hold strong for years to come um and then also just you know his uh relationship with mac brown and and how that has has held strong up until well you know Today, you know, um, and beyond today, it, will, it should hold strong. Um, and you can kind of look at the fact that when Mac came back in, in coaching, you know, one of the guys he hired was was Dre. So um, that that's that's a, I guess, interesting tool that he has to kind of walk into the recruiting world that uh, a lot of other guys might not have. And I, I think it will help with with kids who are in similar situations. The one curious thing I have is, you know. Will he be able to relate to guys who didn't have a similar um, situation growing up? Um, and that's going to be interesting to see. 
Let's circle this back around to the 2020 class, guys, because I wanted to get your perspective from both of you on just how big of an impact Down's commitment has as far as the staff being able to sell that this class is going to be something special. Because as we said earlier, Downs was a NC State legacy player. He was someone that was interested in Carolina, but his recruitment went very quickly, I think, from, hey, I like Carolina to it's the place I'm going to to go ahead and commit. So, Don, let me start with you. When you're looking at his impact on the 2020 class overall, how big of a deal do you think it really is? I I think it's huge. And I think it's actually big beyond the actual class because, as we've talked about a couple of times already, is that he's – an NC state legacy. And I don't have, I'm just, I'm, you know, no, this isn't going to be a surprise, but NC state's a huge rival for North Carolina. And NC state also has been a thorn, a thorn in UNC's side for the past couple of classes. Um, and, uh, you know, to be able to pull a guy who coming into this class, you had to look at him as a lock, or at least if you were trying to project where he was going to go, prior to this class, if he doesn't go to NC State, he's going to a national power. So for North Carolina to pull in a guy like that, it's absolutely huge. The other thing, and I know this is kind of going off off uh, the actual question a little bit, but um, the, Q, the Q&A that we posted right after he committed is one of the most thoughtful Q&As I've done with a recruit. Usually when we do these, it's, it's very standard. You know, why did you pick North Carolina? Um, when you're going to sign, yada, yada, you know. Um, and they, and most recruits kind of just go through the motions, you know, oh, great school, great, great, um, academics, great uh, football program, yada, yada. But I felt like with Downs that he put a lot of thought and he was very, very, very candid in his thoughts, you know, especially when it came to his dad, you know, he mentioned how, you know, initially when he told his dad, Hey, this is what I wanted to do. Um, you know, his dad was hurt, but that his dad came around and, and once he kind of looked at the facts for himself, he said to his son that, hey, North Carolina is the, the best fit for me. You know, I would love for you to go to my alma mater, but North Carolina is best for you. So, um, so you know, that's where I want you to go. Um, so I, I urge everyone, if you haven't already, to read that because there's a lot more in there. That's It's very, very thought thoughtful uh, because he he's, he's very, very forthcoming with his thoughts and what's um, – and what actually transpired with with the whole process and how difficult it was for him to do. To add to that, the the impact that Don's speaking to Downs, and we'll probably jump on this subject in a little bit too, he's one of those few recruits that Mac Brown has said he's going to go out of state to get. And I think that that may have some special import as far as Downs is concerned because Brown has said, you know, we're going to recruit the state of North Carolina hard and we're only going to look at kids from out of state if they're elite. And so I think that by definition sort of adds to the importance of getting Downs on board because it's yet another instance of Max saying something and it com- becoming true. You know, he he said that he was going to recruit the state of North Carolina hard, and he has. And he said, "I'm going to go out of state to get the best," and that's what he's doing. So, 
you know, some coaches will say things and, you know, everybody has high hopes and high, you know, uh, goals. But so far, what Mac has said, he's delivering on. And, you know, that bodes well, not just for the Downs commitment, but for the class as a whole. All right, guys, let's go ahead and take a quick commercial break because, Buck, you touched upon the next topic that we're going to be discussing, which is Mac and something that that he has said he wants to do and has delivered on it so far. I'll just tease that real quick before we go to commercial break. So everyone listening in, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Buck Sanders and Don Callahan talking UNC football recruiting as we normally do on Sunday mornings. So, Buck, you talked about you know some of the things that Mac has said he wants to do, which is get elite players from out of state. So far, that's a check mark. However, the biggest thing that I think Carolina fans focused on is how Mac said he wanted to get a majority, or I don't know if he said majority, but he wants to focus on North Carolina. He said, we want to be the school where the North Carolina football players go to play college football. You actually did a little bit of research into the numbers that Carolina has gotten as far as in-state commitments dating back to when Larry Fedora was a head coach. They're a little bit surprising. So let's start it off with you giving the listeners uh, the results of what you found. Well, we have to remember that when Larry Fedora came in, North Carolina was under investigation by the NCAA. The sanctions had not yet come down, but they were they were under investigation and the possibility of sanctions was out there. And in that transition class in 2012, when Fedora first came in, he actually signed more players from the state of Florida, seven, than he did from the state of North Carolina, six. But even past that, and bear in mind that the wind-up of the final NCAA investigation only took place um, in two years ago this past, this October. So it went on for a very long time, and the majority of the uh, negative coverage, uh, the coverage of the situation at UNC was very heavily focused locally, and so throughout the state of North Carolina, whenever potential recruits heard about North Carolina, one of the first things they heard about was North Carolina is under investigation and could receive more sanctions from the NCAA. On top of that, you had rival football staffs emphasizing that point as well. So throughout Larry Fedora's tenure, the numbers of North Carolina recruits never exceeded eight, and eight was the high watermark in one class. The rest of them were seven or six players from the state of North Carolina, typically out of a class of 22 or 23 players. So sometimes less than a third of the players signed to the University of North Carolina to play football actually came from the state of North Carolina. In this past class, the 2019 class, there were actually 10 players from the state of North Carolina. And if you look at some of the recruits that Mac Brown brought in after he was hired, a good number of those people Uh, decided to commit to North Carolina. Now, whether they would have ended up with them or not is a subject of debate and argument, but he got a commitment out of Charlotte from Sam Howell, got one, uh, another one from Charlotte, Tristan Miller, who flipped from NC State. 
another one, Emory Simmons, who flipped, I guess, from Penn State, Don. He committed to so many schools, I forget exactly where he was, but uh, he flipped to North Carolina, also an in-state kid, and and signed some some other players. Uh, so they ended up with 10 uh, North Carolina uh, players in the 2020 class. And now, out of six recruits, four of them are from in-state. Then going to, and I can't believe I was talking to Don about this off the air, he published an article. It's not even a week old. It came out February the 12th, and um, we're recording this on the 17th. I assume it'll be on Inside Carolina the 18th. But he already has four recruits from the state of North Carolina out of six uh, recruits. And this article that Don wrote about, and it was – uh, the title of the article was um, the top 2020 prospects that the staff was seeking uh, this year. And he not only included the top 15, but out of those 15 players, 12 of them were North Carolina players. One of them that was on that list was Josh Downs, who is uh, committed to UNC already, as we've talked about. Keontae Jenkins is the other uh, out-of-state player from the 757. And obviously, Dre Bly will play a hand in his recruitment. And so a lot of this stuff is starting to tie together. And uh, and then Fadil Diggs out of the state of New Jersey. So um, the the focus that Mac Brown said he was going to have on the state of North Carolina has held up now. How many of those 12 North Carolina products will those sign? That's yet to be seen. But there's no question that the focus of Mac Brown's recruiting, he's going after uh, the top prospects in the state of North Carolina, and he's going for elite players from out of state. Both uh, Diggs and Jenkins, I believe I'm correct, Don, are both four-star players from uh, their respective uh, regions. So, it's just interesting that uh, the things that Mac Brown has said he's going to do, he's off to a great start delivering on those promises. So, Don, when you are looking at the talent level in North Carolina, do you think that if the Tar Heels are going to build a consistent top 25, maybe even top 20 type program, so in other words, at the end of the year, the Tar Heels are ranked in that range, Do you think that by focusing a recruiting class in North Carolina, that is achievable? Or do you think that Mac may have to start filling in a larger number of players in a class from out of state in order to get the talent level to where it needs to be for that final ranking to be accomplished? On a typical year, your average year, yes, I I believe it's possible, especially if you can keep these top guys, these these uh, four-star, five-star guys that North Carolina seems to produce every year. Um, If you can land those guys, and then I don't think you need to land a a bunch of elite, elite guys out of state. I mean, obviously you can't have a full class of just North Carolina guys, so you have to get some out of state. But but yeah, I mean, I think it can, can be done because North Carolina produces so much talent and if you can keep those guys in state, which really, other than that 2009 class of uh, Butch Davis's 
um, North Carolina really hasn't been successful in doing. Now, this class, though, what I will say, though, um, is a little bit different than some of the, the more recent classes and will be different than the 2021 class in that it's not nearly as as deep as some of the prior classes. I, I don't as far as like elite guys, um, I don't know if it can go um, a 30 or so. I mean, it, it, it's it's going to be tough. And usually, you know. Um, North Carolina can produce a solid top 30 and, and, and really kind of go into um, the 40s and, and, and maybe even reach 50 with a solid group of uh, recruits that um, are being recruited by FBS programs. And the other thing, too, is that, you know, the, the face of almost every class is always the, the quarterback. And I just don't know if there is a quarterback that's that um, is worthy of a North Carolina offer in this class um, because they're talent wise. It's, it's not like last year we had Sam Howe. There are a couple guys who with good springs, good summers could emerge as um, a really talented uh, quarterbacks, guys that North Carolina might want to offer. But for the most part, it's looking like right now that uh, UNC is going to have to go out of state when it comes to, um, to a quarterback. Don, a couple of things. Um, one I'm just going to briefly touch on and then move on is there was a actual topic on the Tar Pit Premium Message Board where uh, our subscribers were urging me to get you some help on a recruiting trail that you wouldn't be able to keep up with uh, Mac Brown. <laughs> My argument is that it'll be easier for you to keep up with recruiting because of so many in-state targets uh, and you you won't have to spread yourself so thin this year so i'm not necessarily sure there's a pay raise in your future because your job is going to get easier with mac and so anyway let's move on from that um and in case don or anyone else um thinks otherwise i'm just kidding on that last remark but uh in any event <laughs> the the other question the follow-up because you touched on it briefly is and I'd like your opinion on this, but how much does the talent base in North Carolina vary year to year? I, I do remember some years, and this is many years ago, several years ago at least, that it seemed like the talent base in North Carolina wasn't quite as strong as in maybe some other years. But in, in terms of year to year, uh, maybe is is it now a change like you spoke to that there may not be quite as many elite players? It might not be quite as deep, or is it uh, something else? Does it does it really radically change very much from year to year? To touch on your first topic before I get to your actual question, uh, you are absolutely right um, that with Mac focusing so much on the state of North Carolina, that makes my job easier. And uh, I think we're going to be able to produce a lot because of that, uh, because we have actually, Inside Carolina has been in the high schools of every in-state guy that has a UNC offer. Now, just because of the the commitments and everything like that, it has pushed some of the stories back, but we have um, intros on some of the guys that we haven't ran yet. But every single, every single 2020 and 2021 who has received the UNC offer Inside Carolina has been in their school, talked to, obviously, the recruit, 
and uh, and his coach and, and and that sort of thing. So definitely look forward to that. But to answer Buck's question, it it definitely fluctuates from year to year, um, but it's definitely trending in the um, increasing direction. And so yeah, so you might have a couple steps back on one year, and then the next year you go um, more than a couple steps forward. You know, and it kind of just goes in that way. And then maybe the next year you go a couple steps forward again. And then maybe the uh, like a year like this where you take a, a few steps back. But it's always just because North Carolina is a growing state and in particular in, in the Charlotte area, which is um, its mo- most uh, fertile recruiting ground. Um, and it has been since uh, has been really for the since I've been covering uh, football recruiting in this state. Um, so. You know, with the the population growing, it just has only helped increase the amount of uh, talent that's coming from the state, which will make it easier on on Mac Brown if if he continues to hold this philosophy of focusing on the state of North Carolina. The other thing I want to one last thing um, that I do want to bring up, and while we look at the the commits and and what they're saying and look at where they're from and how you know. Four of the six that who are committed to North Carolina are are from the Tar Heel State. What's also kind of interesting because because some of that is a little bit of luck involved on who commits when, but if you look at what recruits have been coming on campus for some of these um, these basketball games and and other events, other recruiting events, the vast majority of them are are in state guys. So you know it's not just you know. You know, just like a luck thing that four in-state guys just happen to commit. It's it's a product of the fact that when North Carolina hold, holds some sort of um, recruiting event or invites some recruits on campus, the vast majority of them are in-state guys. And, and so that's, that's a reflection in, in the commitment list. All right, guys. The over-under that Buck did for four-star players in the 2020 class was very popular. So I want to do that again with North Carolina, guys. So, Buck, I'm going to steal your thunder a little bit here. Um, And just very quickly, I will set the over-under at 12 for the number of in-state players that Carolina finishes their 2020 class with. So, Buck, there's your, your number. Which way are you going on that? Yeah, I would agree with that. I would say uh, 12 is a good, solid number. They already have four. Um, so I, I would think that, uh, particularly given the list that they're looking at, you know, another eight players from the state of North Carolina before this class is done is not out of the question by any stretch. And I would think probably, uh, without going with a specific number, I would guess approximately half of the this class will come from the state of North Carolina when everything's said and done. Um, now, for if you look at the 12 candidates on Don's 2020 sort of wish list for the staff, if they got eight of those 12 players, that would be a freaking amazing class. That would be, I, I'm guessing, a, a top 15 class, which – On another subject, when we had our signing day gathering at Hickory Tavern back in the first Wednesday of April, Don actually got posed that question in terms of, do you, 
one of the people there posed a question to Don. We have a little Q and a with Don at these gatherings and they asked him, what do you think the odds are of North Carolina getting a top 15 class? And Don said, uh, well, Don's remarks were somewhat um, cautious in that regard. It does take a lot to get a top 15 class. There's no question. Uh, but Don, since everything that's happened since uh, the day that you gave your little chat, has anything changed for you in that regard? And what do you think about the number of North Carolina players that will ultimately join this class? So uh, for the, the, I guess the easier question is the over under on North Carolina players. Um, if you're going to sit at 12, then uh, yeah, I, I guess uh, it's, it's a good number because it definitely makes me think. So I guess I would go over on that, uh, but I, I don't know if it will go much over. Maybe maybe Mac Brown surprises me and really kind of um, I, I just feel like you're going to have to get there's certain positions and, and I brought up the um, the quarterback position. I feel like there's certain positions that that they're they're going to find out. Okay, we're not going to be able to get anybody in state at that position. So we're going to have to focus out of state. So I, I think, and that's not a problem right now, but it will be a problem um, that they're going to have to, um, to, I guess, take head on, um, you know, after, you know, four or five months from now. But uh, as far as Buck's question about you know, the, the class where it can land, I mean, obviously I think the chances have increased considering North Carolina's start. I still think that, um, you know, the and, – and this is what my, my answer kind of sort of was during the, the, the signing day party that, that Inside Carolina hosted, or I should say um, Miss uh, Trish hosted, um, is that, uh, you know, the, the higher you go up, the more difficult it becomes because you're starting to compete at that point with some of um, college football's blue bloods. And I mean, and their classes regularly are loaded with four star guys. So um, I still feel like it's it's going to be a difficult task. I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but I do think that um, a good goal for North Carolina is to get into the top 25. And I think that's attainable. Um, and I think, you know, top 15 is going to be it's going to be tough. But definitely this start helps with with achieving that goal. Don, I think the one wild card and getting into that uh, top 15 category, to me, is if you look at the 24-7 composite team rankings year to year, the presence of a five-star player dramatically improves the overall ranking of the class. Just one player can make a difference. I, I can't remember the year or the specifics, but I was looking at it over this past week, and I saw one team that signed one five-star and six four-stars, another team that signed like 12 four-stars, and the team with the one five-star was ranked higher. It, it appears to me that the team rankings, and I don't know if this is a criticism, I don't intend it that way, I just mean it as an observation, but it appears to me that landing a five-star recruit has a huge impact overall on the class ranking. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I just pulled up the 2019 uh, football team rankings on 24-7 sports. And, I mean, you're absolutely right. If you look at the top 
the top eight all have at least one five star. And all except for Florida in the top 14 have a have a at least one five star. And the majority of them have more than one. Um, and then really after 14, um, there's, you know, it's there's a couple of schools that have one five star, but that's really it. So, yeah, um, getting into the top 15, you it, you almost have to have a five star unless you just have like the Florida's ranked number nine. They have zero five stars, but they have 17 four stars. So unless you have the majority of your class being four stars, you, you have to have a five star and UNC does have a five star within its sites that uh, it has a really good chance with in Desmond Evans. Um, we've talked to him a, a bunch on the podcast already. He's a, a defense lineman out of uh, Lee County. And um, it's going to be really telling once he actually releases his favorite schools listing to see even if North Carolina makes it, because there's some rumors that North Carolina won't make it. Um, I think they will just because he's, he's visited North Carolina a ton since he was a freshman. Um, and obviously NC state's a, a player in his recruitment too. So, you know, a um, in-state battle is always kind of um, dicey, but um, you know, the, the out-of-state blue bloods like Alabama and you know Ohio State are also going to be in, involved. But I really think that he's going to stay generally, not, not necessarily in-state, but kind of in this region. So I think schools like uh, Clemson and South Carolina are going to be big factors in his recruitment. But um, regardless, North Carolina definitely has a shot with him. Um, it's going to be important to get him back on campus as soon as possible, and as often as possible, really. In that sense, then, Don, you would say that um, in terms of getting to the upper echelon and in the top, inside the top 15 or top 15, uh, Desmond Evans would be a huge part of that equation. If, if they can land him, then they could be on their way to that sort of class. Would you agree yeah. with that? Yeah, and, and it's basically the way it looks if the, if the 2020 classes – pan out the way the 2019 classes did then basically Desmond Evans determines whether North Carolina is a top 15 class or just you know or or outside that top 15 whether it's top 25 or whatever that depends on the other guys but if UNC doesn't land Desmond then um there's a very good chance it's it's outside the top 25 I mean top I'm sorry outside the top 15 so my question for Don about recruiting, and guys, we'll go ahead and start wrapping up the podcast with this. There has been a lot of rumors going on the Inside Carolina Tarpit Premium Message Board about the silent commits and how Mac Brown and his staff may already have some guys lined up and they're kind of releasing uh, the, the announcements strategically. But do you put much stock into the reports of silent commits or what have you observed about that process and does it actually happen and work out? The only silent commits that end up working out um, that, uh, and I've been doing this for a very long time, for, for 15 years, are the type of guys like Josh Downs, where he commits on Sunday, on a Sunday, last Sunday actually, and then says to the staff, give me a few days so I can talk to the other schools that have been recruiting me. And then so I can put together my, he did some sort of video. And and that ends up working out. Now, we've had 
guys in the past, believe it or not, who have silently, silently committed to North Carolina or maybe even another school. And then months go by. And uh, I don't, to me, I don't consider those guys commitments. And I hope that the coaches who receive those silent commitments don't uh, treat them as commitments because I think that if they're still visiting other schools and they just don't want it out there that, that uh, UNC, for example, is a school that they committed to, they're not, then there's something wrong. There's something, there's something missing there. As far as like the staff doing it strategically, I don't buy that at all. I think it's more of a situation where a kid says, Hey, I'm really, really close. Give me some time. Or like Josh Downs, where he's like, Hey, you know, I'm committed to you guys, but let me, let me get, you know, tie all the loose ends up first and then commit. Um, I think, you know, like, I think some of this comes from a, a, a recent, um, uh, Tim Brewster tweet. And, you know, um, I got to be careful on what I say with this, but it would surprise me if someone said, Hey, I'm getting really close. And, um, you know, and maybe the coaches kind of took that as, okay, you know, this, this is coming pretty soon. And, um, but I don't think that they go in and a kid commits and they say, okay, well, for strategic purposes, this would really help us if you release it on next Monday. I, I just don't buy that as happening. I just think that they, they're talking to these kids a lot more than what most people are, and they get the feelings. You know, Brewster has been doing it forever, so he knows when, it, when a recruit is getting really close. He knows what certain phrases and, and, and thoughts come out of a recruit's mouth when the recruit is really close to making a commitment. So, um, you know, if, if you're just looking at Brewster's tweet, then, yeah, I think it's a pretty good indication that something could be, could be brewing no pun intended, or maybe the pun was actually intended. Um, but, uh, you know, the whole strategic thing and the whole silent commitment thing is really kind of um, in the same category as uh, the, the Tooth Fairy and, and, and Santa Claus. Oh, my goodness. That's strong, Don. Uh, I, what you're saying, if I'm hearing you correct, is outside of the this scenario, which I don't believe happens either, I don't believe there's a scenario where uh, a recruit says, uh, I've, I've done my due diligence. I've informed everybody I need to inform. I uh, discussed it with my family. I'm 100% committed. I want to go ahead and verbally commit to UNC. I cannot think of a situation where they would say, well, hey, uh, why don't you just hold off on announcing that until – you know, we have a slow news day or, or we just want to build momentum on this particular day or we don't want it to happen on a Friday because that's, you know, a news dump day or something of that nature. I think if if it the recruit has, you know, dotted all his I's and crossed all his T's and he wants to verbally commit to North Carolina, I, I just don't see – this staff saying, well, we'd appreciate you hold, holding off for strategic reasons. I, I'm not sure I buy that. But I also hear you saying that uh, if if you're reading tea leaves like Brewster's tweet, then quite possibly there is something going on. Maybe a recruit is doing uh, the Josh Downs due diligence in terms of putting together uh, you know, his uh, video or informing people or, you know, taking care of the, the little uh, 
things that need to be taken care of before he makes an, uh, an announcement informing other staffs, what have you. Something like that could be afoot, but as far as, you know, telling a recruit, hey, uh, don't say anything just yet. We're, we're, we want this to come out at a different time that I, I don't buy that scenario. And Don, what I hear you saying is it's more like uh, the tooth fairy. Yes. Yes. You are absolutely correct in, in, in um, interpreting what I said. The one, um, the one thing I'll add is the whatever, whoever that Brewster was referring to, he could be in the phase that Josh Downs is in right or, or was in a, a week ago in that he was, you know, um, letting his letting the other coaches know who have been recruiting him as a courtesy to them, so that they didn't find out about it on Twitter, and then also putting together a video. Or it could be a situation where maybe the kid hasn't in isn't at that stage yet, but is in talking to uh, Brewster or or any of the other coaches in North Carolina, just a certain phrases that they're using and the questions that they're asking. It just sounds like, okay, this kid's ready to pop very, 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 very soon. I mean, he's just asking all the right questions. These aren't just your typical run-of-the-mill questions. I mean, this is a really good situation. It could be one of those. It could be, you know, as, you know, it could be like that. It it might not necessarily be a Josh Downs where he's already actually said, hey, I'm coming to North Carolina. Just give me some time. It could be just a situation where a kid is just maybe subconsciously is really giving out a lot of strong clues. And for a seasoned recruiter, like Tim Brewster, he can pick up on those clues and say, okay, this is, this guy's going to be part of our class sooner rather than later. Yeah. uh, To to follow up on that, you hit on it right there at the end, but you know, Tim Brewster has been at this game for a very long time. And if anybody can read the tea leaves in terms of how a recruiter is acting and the questions he's asking and what he's saying, it should be Brewster. He's been at a very, very long time. No, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's exactly my um my my point with that all right guys well hey i just have one final thing here and don let's look ahead to the future a little bit and then after this we'll go ahead and call this one to an end carolina has a junior day coming up this saturday so in six days from when we are recording this podcast so what can the inside carolina subscribers expect to see from you in the days leading up to that event well, as we've always done, whenever there comes a big recruiting event, you know, we'll have a list of the expected visitors posted sometime within um, you know a few days before the actual event. And uh, uh, you know, I, I can't give the exact date because usually I, I want to make sure I talk to all my sources first before we we post something. Um, but yeah, so definitely check inside Carolina. Um, well, check throughout the week. Um, we'll have plenty of content throughout the week on all these uh, targets North Carolina is looking at. But um, towards the end of the week, we'll definitely have a, a list of expected visitors for Saturday's Junior Day. And those who attend the Junior Day will be treated to a UNC basketball game against uh, Florida State. All right, guys. Well, and I will leave us with this. We have come up with an idea for one of our infamous top fives. And what we wanted to do for next week is to have the three of us and all of the listeners decide who their top five players that that played under Mac Brown. So in other words, these can be 
uh, who you believe the best five players are. So it's a, a it's a subjective list. Everyone, I'm sure, has their favorite players, but we thought it would be fun to to do. So that will be our top five list. You can send that in to either myself or Don on the message board. Or Don, how can people send you their top five list uh, elsewhere? Uh, Twitter, you can um, message me on Twitter or or um, tweet at me at Don Callahan IC and. and- and I'll definitely get your list there. Or as John mentioned, you can just send me the, the list on um, on you know, personal messages on Inside Carolina. And, and my name on there, I believe, is Don Callahan. No spaces. All right. Well, that will go ahead and do it for me. Uh, unless, Buck, did you have anything else to talk about today or do we hit all of it? Yeah, I think we've got it about wrapped up. We're about 50 minutes in and uh, maybe we have exhausted people's ability to focus at this point. But uh Yeah, good podcast. I enjoyed it. Look forward to next week. Absolutely. All right, Don, you good to go? I'm good. It's always always a good uh, to start off the week with uh, Buck Sanders. All right. Well, for everyone listening in, we here at Inside Carolina, thank you, and we will speak with everyone again soon. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.